Warning, if you're faint of heart or easily offended, this show is not for you. Hey, uh, Nick, 2005 called. They want their true religion genes back. You are the epitome of relentless, you know? I, I, again, why did I pick you? But these genes have been with me since, since 2005. 2005. <laughs> Welcome to the Nick Fertucci Show with Veronica Brill. Our guest today is Ronnie Ebanks. Let's go. All right, well, we are here. Ronnie, E-Banks, what is up? The what man. am I, top liver? I'm sitting right here. Well, I already introduced oh. you as Veronica yeah. Brillo in the oh. Nick Fertitia Show. What do you want? At least I'm not Valerie this time. You, Ronnie. Are, you are forever Valerie. All right, enough out of you. Okay. Ronnie, Ronnie, it's great to meet you in Hello, person. I watch very, you on Hustler Live all the time. Very nice to meet you, Veronica. So you. Ronnie is our resident crooner. We know that. You have been known, Ronnie, to belt out like the gambler in the middle of a really like a $150,000 pot. Pe- people are trying to concentrate and you're you're belting out some Kenny Rogers. Yeah. That's just who somebody, you are. Somebody be trying to quiet me. I'm saying, no, I know he likes it when he he's likes in it. a decision when I'm singing. Some guys I know, because they've told me before too, like, don't stop singing if I've been hit it. It helps me. <laughs> but then other ones would be like, you could kind of tell too, like they've had enough and then yeah, sometimes yeah. I'll take it yeah, back down. Mean, what do they do? They but they if I'm drinking with or? Barry, uh, they don't give me the yeah kind of like you could just see their like, energy hey man, like, uh, I need a minute. maybe kind of yeah <laughs> I, like, I, 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 I kind of sense it sometimes i don't want to be in a game if someone isn't singing no one to hold them no one to fold them while i'm making a big decision yeah. you want to give us a little a course you got to know when to hold them know when to fold them know when to walk away and know when to run Hey, man. You never count you. I'm never going to get him to stop. <laughs> when you're sitting you at the table. <laughs> no, no. Hey, now. I got a duet, partner. Well, anyways, yeah. You're known for that. Also, you and I like to tell a good joke. Sometimes we tell the same damn joke. But whatever. My show, you're on the show. You can tell any joke you want. Well, the bottom line is, you know, just like real life, people love entertainment. Wherever you go. That's right. People love to be entertained. That's why these Kardashians got 10 billion followers Think about or something that. Like. They follow them around. Yeah. Taking, they, just, they, like, they, go in, they go into the bathroom to take a dump and they did a whole episode on that. Yeah. People it's are entertained by the min- minuscule of things. There's, so Wait, no one, there's no episodes of the Kardashians yes, taking a dump. Yes. Uh, it, it's the, it wasn't supposed to be about that, but Kim <laughs> went into the bathroom and then she got razzed for how bad it was when the other sister went in there and they talked about it for clear almost 15 minutes. I mean, oh my god. We're all humans. Really? We all Whatever. I'm what just telling you, you like we're the the, the popular human uh, the American population likes to like watch Look, shows Veronica, like that. This is news to me that Nick is a Kardashian fan. I have time out. I have three girls. So I went through the Barney phase. Right, okay. the Barney, the purple, uh, okay, the purple Okay, you know what? Guy, now I get it. Now right? I get it. And then we went through the Gossip okay. Girl and okay. the Kardashians. Oh, I loved Gossip Girl. Uh, so did, actually, you know what? So did I. <laughs> I could not figure out who was Gossip Girl. I was XO, dying. XO, XO, XO. I love that show. I really did. I watched it during COVID. 
the villain I was deeply in love with for many years. And now we can see why I'm single in my mid forties yeah. because I've always loved these villain type men. That's yeah, that's that's the only <laughs> and reason. Now I'm in therapy <laughs> because of it. Thank yeah. you. Well, well that's the only reason. Anyways, let's get back to Ronnie. Back to Ronnie. I love <laughs> this it. Is what it's we so do. fun. Yeah, Ronnie. I love to sing. I I've been for twenty years wherever I'm at, and every birthday party, friends of mine, they're like, "Come on, come on!" Or I just get up on a table and like yeah. sing a big song to He's the group. Seven year old that yeah. you're like, "Look, my son can sing. Go yes. sing for us. Yes. Sing for us." Yeah. And by the way, in a little bit, if you remind me, I'm gonna go to my phone and I'm gonna play. I never heard it. You sent it to me today. Uh, uh, something you recorded. And I'll I'll play it into the mic. It won't be the best because it'll just be played in the but whatever. It'll be good. It's the message. The it's, it's all it's about the, the message. message. The okay, words, it's, it's the message. The song's That's what, a message. Every artist, yeah. it's always the message. I had a never, song drop. Never about the my talent. song, bigger truth, and yeah, really exciting for me. Really yeah, wild. are we doing a CD drop here? Sorry, do people still say that? Are we doing like an album drop today? We're doing a are single. We, no, not a single. No, we only drop in a single. Well, We're dropping back a in single. Back in my day, we dropped eight tracks. But are you yeah. a SoundCloud rapper? Is that what you're here for? I am. Yeah, I'm a little bit of everything. Are you actually? No, I am. Yeah. I'm a little oh bit my everything. god! Let so me tell you're a you. hustler. You're a SoundCloud rapper. You used to be a jockey. You've got a book. We have all these books. Super System suddenly appeared. I I'm, a grand, I'm, a grand, I'm a grandfather. That's the, You're my a best grandfather. title. That's my best I, title. I mean, I don't know how, where to begin with this man. No, there's, uh, I, I don't know, but I can tell you this, and I'll say it li- I'll say it right here in front, of, in front of Ronnie. One of the most uncomfortable moments I had was when I didn't know Ronnie well yet, and he turned, faced me, was right next to me, and acapella rapped straight to me. And saying to me, I didn't know what the hell to do with myself. Which I was song, like though? fidgety. I can't remember. It was the one. <laughs> Were you in a pot? <laughs> <laughs> probably. Probably. Yeah. And uh, and then it, the rest is history. Well, Ronnie, listen, we'll talk about your book in a second. Yes. But uh, for those, a lot of the people that watch the show, they've been commenting. And a lot of things they were saying is they want to know about the players, which is good because this show is kind of just an extension of that. I'm going to have Veronica and I are going to have players on. We already uh, interviewed Garrett. And so they want to know about the players. They want to know about you. A lot of them already know you were a jockey at 15 years old. Uh, at, at 13, 13. My first race I rode at 13. You seem a little too tall to be yeah. a jockey. Well, I am now. That's why I'm not a jockey anymore. I'm out of the oh, saddle. You, you I retired grew? at 23. Yeah, I, I was bulimic for seven years to hold my weight down. Yeah, I, I, my brother, I was meant to be big. I wasn't meant to be a jockey, so I was trying to force it, and I had to be bulimic. I didn't oh keep my a meal down for seven you years. You seem very slim right now. Yeah. Would you have been taller or bigger? Oh yeah, my brothers are all like two forty. So you both of them are six that. one, six two. Well, I stunted my growth because I didn't get nu- nu- nutrition from fifteen to twenty three. That actually, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, and I still had three sp- growth spurts. And then by 23, I couldn't do it anymore. I was trying to stay 100. I'll be damned. I was 5'9", trying How to stay 110 pounds. How much did you weigh pounds. when you were at your prime on the horse? 5'9", I was 110 pounds. Holy crap. And, and, and after I retired, three years later, I got a physical, and I grew two inches from 23 to 25. In height? Yeah, because I'd never got nutrition. I was malnourished. <laughs> I didn't miss it. I looked at you. He missed it. I looked oh, at you and thought, height, yeah. you, you just can't help yourself. I don't know. No, Maybe I'm we'll find out later. In every interview. Everything grew. My shoes <laughs> oh my became God. bigger. My shoes yeah. size got bigger. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Ears. I lived with about probably minus 40% of the fluid that you should live with in your body. So I was dehydrated yeah. and malnourished to do this. But the love and passion for it was like, I'd cut my leg off. You know, that's was all I every, knew. every jockey malnourished? 70%. Wow, 30% and it's just a natural. known thing. It's like yeah, yeah. They all models. regurgitate. Didn't well, you like have a throw up uh, bucket? Yeah, they had a throw up uh, toilet. They call it a heaving bowl. 
we got to heave. We just go in, eat, and you go in there and heave. So I, I was wow. 50, I was 12 Jeez, times a day, 10, 12 horrible. times a day, because I couldn't keep anything down. So every time I got a chance to eat, I ate, and that satisfied me for an hour. Yeah. And go right away. I'd go and dump it. Go ride four or five races, and then you know. So only thing that kept me going was the eating intervals. Did you did you acquire any other health issues from that? Just the, the teeth. It messed my teeth up. So I had I had a lot of dental work, did a lot it? of crowns. Yeah. That was the one thing I wasn't real diligent on because you know we, right. we wasn't taught and didn't know. And, yeah, the and acid. Yeah. From th- so, but besides that, lucky yeah. in one little thing with my esophagus, I have a little bit of a phlegm thing, and I think it's from my esophagus. But now, food and nothing else since the wow, eating you, is that's, natural. That's good. But a little bit of uh, the phlegm. In, in my throat for myself. You struggle thing, a little bit on your throat. That's yeah. the only thing, a light and light. But health-wise, I'm unbelievable, uh, a miracle that I put my body through that for seven years. But I knew at seven, I knew there was no way it was going to be nine. And why do eight? I know it's a fact. It's my, my equilibrium, my, uh, my uh, everything was getting off because it was starving to all my organs, the body, right. you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, t- tell us a little bit real quick about, just, just in a couple of minutes, uh, how... At 13, how did that happen? How does a 13-year-old become a jockey? Is, isn't that illegal? No, in Louisiana, um, it's not. It, well, it wasn't professional at 13. I went professional. You had to be 16, actually, okay. to, to be a professional jockey. And I'll tell you that story. But yeah. at 13, in Louisiana, they have the, we call them match races, where every Saturday or Sunday, these little tracks, all the farmers that each bring their horse and match oh, against I got it. So each it's other un, for $100 un, or $200. Not regulated. Wasn't regulated. So every Sunday, that's how we got to start riding. So for two and a half years, I got to practice on these tracks before wow, I went cool. professional. So when I'm professional, I was like, light years ahead of these other kids so i shined like a silver dollar my first yeah, year well that's i was like, champion my first year that's like the book 15. outlier you just had enough reps you just were doing that's it that's 100 so you... just like playing poker yeah, yeah. i done ro- i done one 200 races can you, you know, make was the... nobody better than me out the gate at 15 wow can, were you making a good living at 16 as no, a... at 13 14 remind you i was poor I t- my, we had to buy our shoes from the dollar store we had five boys my dad worked on the river we didn't have no money so Cayman I, Islands? No, here when we moved to Louisiana. When you by moved this to Louisiana. Time. Oh, yeah. Okay. And you know we got five boys, so here raising. We, we lived okay. We ate, but we didn't have nothing. So that being said, on a Sunday at 13 years old, I started making 100, 200, 300 dollars. 300 dollars. My dad was maybe bringing that home after taxes and everything back then, or something. 500 dollars, you know, a week. That's you big. You kidding? Yeah. So I was like the richest kid by, and, I, and my mom took 80 percent of it and put it in the bank, right, or 90. But I got 10 or 20 dollars, and that was like. Yeah, walking around at thirteen with a twenty dollars in your pocket. So yeah, I was from thirteen. I made a lot of money. My life changed like I become like a millionaire status compared to who I was. Everything I wanted, I could buy myself from thirteen on. I never took a quarter from my parents, which is so beautiful. But then such a luxury too. And uh, yeah, that started. It's it's a miracle life of what I got to live, honestly. So did you get to take your family out of poverty? Because it sounds like you're saying you guys were pretty poor. And then so they wasn't in poverty. I grew up in poverty, and we'll go back to that. But the Cayman Islands, my original where we come from, we were real. But we had no running water, no electricity, no plumbing. We had thirteen people in the house. My mom had three kids with no father. He left, didn't give nothing. So we were really poor there. But my father, we were just low income. In other words, we had everything we needed. We had food. We had a you know lived in a big house. Oh, so trailer. your mom was in the Cayman Islands. Your dad was in the states. He's from Louisiana. He was there working. Uh, Met the my mom and took is, us. Took us out God. of the islands. The yeah. stories coming together. How did yeah. they meet? He, he was there working for two years. My mom worked three jobs because it's three boys and my grandmother taking care of us. She was a cocktail waitress at night at the best bar, and she was a good-looking, long-legged blonde, pretty like you. And 
my dad stepdad stalked her for two years and bang, finally bang, twisted her said I'll take you and the boys and she's like how can I refuse this you know he was okay and you know he loved her and they're gonna take three of her boys and so and to give us a, a, another life I think it, but they luckily lasted 50 years they both passed away a couple of years ago wow and it's a blessing because uh, I, I think it was it wouldn't have, in a normal circumstance it probably wouldn't have met and felt you know that wouldn't have worked out but uh, it, it it got us a new life in in the U.S. In the I don't century. think anyone's going to be married for fifty years in like the new generation, Gen Z, or even me. I mean, I'd, I'll die before that. Yeah, but yeah. I don't. I. It's the institution so weird is having me. a lot of issues. It, yeah. Well, relationships are changing. The new, well, yeah. the world. Yeah. Yeah. Social media itself. Too so, bad. So back to you being a jockey. So you started becoming a champion in your teen years. When did you start noticing that, like, this isn't a lifestyle, like with the anorexia and stuff like that, or bulimia? How long when, did you do it? Yeah. Well, he so I started racing at 13. Yeah. I went professional at 15 and did that seven and a half years. At 23, I retired. Mm-hmm. Got it. And there's no way I would have been able to do it another year or two. I was skirting. I mean, because of health? Because well, of health? Well, I was saying I was 110 pounds and I was really 114. Supposed to be 110, I, had a, I could beat it. So I was beating the system already. Mm. So there was no way, as I was still growing again, fighting it, I couldn't m- maintain that another two years. Got and it. B- besides the health, the weight was becoming impossible. You, you know, know how uh, weightlifters, before um, they go, what do they do, weightlifting tournaments or whatever? Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the word yeah. I'm looking for? <laughs> I don't know, it's your story. Com- competitions. Competitions. <laughs> yeah. And then also like any sort of like physical, or, or like if you're doing wrestling or if you're doing boxing, they weigh in, right? And then they like dehydrate themselves themselves before like the wrestlers, weigh-ins wrestlers and stuff like that. famous thing. So Were you doing stuff like that? We have every race you ride, you've got to weigh before you ride the horse and you got to weigh out after you ride the horse. So if Why you ride after? 10 races a day, because to say that you didn't take weight off and your horse raced lighter than 10 pounds, he should have. Because they had a jock do that. And they used to warm the horse up before the race and he had a lead pad. He'd take the pounds of weights out and throw it out before the race. And, we, and then finally we had no more weight left for after a month. He had threw all the weight on the other side of the racetrack. We had to go and load it up and bring it back <laughs> to the jock room because he weighed 90 pounds. Yeah. So he always had to put 20 pounds of lead in his pockets. So he, was throwing, it was dead he had the weight. opposite they problem. call it dead weight. So he was throwing it out on the backside before the race. <laughs> yeah. that so that's why you weigh because you got to, whatever weight you were assigned, you got to finish the race with that weight. If you come back five, two pounds, lighter you're disqualified oh wow yeah wow. because they, all the horses have so a, it's a big game everyone's playing there to try to stay in weight the, is everything you want a mile and a quarter five pounds let me carry a five pounds less than you it's gonna be a big yeah advantage. it's a big difference yeah huge yeah big difference you know ronnie let me ask you this question i it's i think i may have asked you this before and i don't know why it's interesting to me how many times have you fallen off oh wow can't count that many times? Yes, but 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 uh, 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 very minimal falls, like just hit the ground, roll, bounce back up. I was I learned to fall really good. A, actually, is there a minimal fall on on a on a horse that's running as fast as it can under the ground? To me, like I can't even fathom doing yes. that once. You, you know, I would crumble. You know, you know, you know how it is? If you fall on your own without the horse falling, you're probably going to be able to tumble really good, and you'll tumble and hit, but you'll tumble and roll. If that horse breaks his leg and goes down, and he yeah. goes down, he catapults you into the ground. So that you're never like, happened to you? Yes, once. Oh, once. I had a really, one really bad one. A couple other ones was close, but one horrible close one. And from being, a uh, horse snapped his leg off. He was, I was racing. Driven right over the top. Of, about three quarters of the ra- into the race, he was five lengths in front, and I'm just sitting, and he just, his leg just snapped off. Damn. And when it did, when you're holding on to the reins, and he goes down, he pulls you with him. It's like, you know. So, and I almost got over 
like and, and roll on the inside, but I landed in the back of my neck, so I, I jarred my back, and I had um, four compression vertebrates. I thought I was paralyzed the first night, man. but man, so clo so close, and then so lucky with four compression vertebrates. I was leading right at the time I was in Detroit, and I was champion about twenty wins in front of the next guy, so I really wanted to win the championship. I was only out six weeks. I was back racing. Did you, the doctor did, told me you, you shouldn't go back. He it? said, if you don't fall, you'll be okay. So, but if you hit the ground again, it won't be good. You, you should took, wait about three to four, You six took that months. chance? I did took you win the championship? No, the guy had got too much lead on me. I finished a close second, but I didn't. I wasn't able to Damn. catch him. The momentum, you know. Yeah. I was out six weeks. But um, So anyway, and, and I fell the first weekend back. It was a crazy, crazy story. Did you story. really? Yes. It, it, it's so funny because if you, if I could show you the film of it, it's in a bull ring in Detroit and I'm right in behind this young kid and as we're going into the first turn, I can see he's going too close to the horse in front. I can see he's going to fall and drop himself and I'm behind him so I'm trapped. He's going to drop me. I see it happening in slow motion and as I say that, I start like and it happens and, it, and as he goes down and my horse is starting to go over him, I lunge out. I throw uh. the reins like that and I lunge out so you wouldn't I be hit the and I pop right up. It, the whole racetrack went crazy. It was an acrobatic move. Ne nothing. And I knew that I couldn't fall. Like, right. Yeah. You know, yeah. You I, took control of the situation. But I wasn't scared. Right. <clears throat> but unbelievably how that happened. And but then, how are you last thing? And then we'll drop it. How are you not scared to fall off a horse at that speed? But because you're never thinking yeah. the, the scaredest I've ever been on a horse was at that same track, Detroit, at Hazel Park, and it's a bull ring. It's about a five-eighths of a mile track, real mm -hmm. tight track. But going into the first turn, my horse's rein broke, the one that makes me turn him in these turns. Yeah, yeah. The left rein broke. And when that happened, he just went straight up. It's kind of banked, right? And there's a big uh, her, uh, a fence, metal fence around the racetrack. He went straight up to that fence, and as he got to it, he just went dead alongside of it, and he's running wide open. I can't do nothing. I got no range to control him. And I'm, I have now I have a minute minute and a half to think that's like an hour and i'm like where am i gonna bail off he's going so fast i can't bail what's he gonna hit when is he gonna stop is that outrider and a pony up there the outrider is the one to yeah, help you in yeah, the race yeah. he doesn't see me he's watching the field and i'm screaming for him and right before i got to him he, we he sees me he wheels out and tries to catch me he tried to catch me so i got two minutes he caught me right before we got turned for home where the gap is. That horse and he just, right and out of they get right in front to slow it down. He just caught him the last couple minutes before. Man. Cause my, my, the other horse well, doesn't stopped. a horse by nature I, have a presence of mind I to stop or thing. not run into a gate or a wall or yeah. something? Don't they have enough brain? Well, they'll, they'll, they jump the they'll jump it. They'll jump it. And they're racehorses and they got these blinkers and they're, you know, they're, they're running wild. Generally open by themselves, yes. But in a setting like that at a racetrack. Because they're, they're amped up. So, so that, so real quick, I apologize because yeah. I know I just asked the last 10 questions, but I want to ask another one. <laughs> well, because I'm, you know. I, no, Nick. I charge him for every no. question. Thank you. Thank no, you. Real quick, before I forget, for these, for these, people that are watching that are animal activists that I'm sure are going to comment on this shit, right? So these horses love to run. Yes. They can't bred. wait to race, yeah. correct? It's, like, that's a dog, what it's like dogs that love like to catch a ball. They literally can't wait to get in that gate and run. And, do, and they know They're if they win. It. They love it. They know if they win. Yeah. Oh, yes, they do. They've they got know, personalities. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. And they know when they lose. You go back to the barn, they lost. You can see the difference in their personality. I've heard that from two. some, some people see, that Not all horses, of them, right. but a big percentage of them. Yeah. They're so intuitive. Yes. They're really, really cool. Okay. Really, really cool. Yeah. So I'm curious because we all have heard the rampant amount of cheating that goes on in poker, any sort of edge someone will, you know, people will just take as many edges Wherever as they money. can, legal or illegal. Um, 
I'm wondering, besides putting lead in people's pockets, the jockeys, uh, are were there any other cheating scandals yes. that you saw? In the history of racing, there's always been. The track I used to ride in Chicago, Al Capone owned it. Sportsman's? Uh, back in the day, Sportsman's Park. Yeah. And at, they tell all the stories that the years I was there, it was always told back in the 30s when Al Capone owned it, the, the last race every day was a, a, the race for the boys. They had it, they <laughs> set it up, they knew who was going to be first, second, and third. And the boys got the numbers, and that was the boys... The, the way they took their money out of the out of the thing it was just a known thing but back then when i was riding in the 70s 80s 90s still they were fixing races it'd be a guy put up all the money buy all the jocks at some small track so that went on like periodically today there's no more of that collaboration of trying to cheat because they can't there's so much uh security and everything overlooking it but they cheat individually in ways like a trainer will give a horse stuff that he thinks he can get past with drug him and get away with it and really move him up or the odd smart guy will take a horse and run him five or six times not let him run good or win and then get him ready and put him in weaker company and then let him go and make a big bet on him to make a score they call it so that's kind of cheating cheating the public because the public doesn't know uh, but the cheating has been narrowed down so much uh, as what it was possible able to do years ago. It was really rampant. Well, you know, they say you can't trust those uh, Italians from Chicago. Well, if you're on their side, you can. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. 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 Back in the day, you know, I was from Chicago and I used to go to sportsman's track even when I my went back there. And uh, it was a well-known fact through my father who was, uh, let's just say, in that lifestyle had friends had friends and uh it was a well-known fact that uh, the sportsman track was completely fixed yeah so, not completely maybe just yeah. the last race for the boys but yeah, yeah yeah how many people have you left in lake mead uh, we we prefer a trunk <laughs> not a barrel yeah. uh, listen we, we make them dig their own hole <laughs> one of the most fearful times of my life besides being on the horse that day was at cicero illinois I was running a poker game. From. I was had a poker game at my house every Monday. All the jockeys and the trainers would come and we'd play down in the basement. My wife would yeah. set us up and leave us alone. I ran the game and I took out enough money to pay for the expenses. And sometimes I took a little more, you know, pinch it. I would never really hurt nobody. But <laughs> so I was making a buck or two. But a guy came up to me one day. His name was Jimmy the Hatchet. I had heard about him. I knew who he was. He was a, a collector for the mob. I never talked to him. I just stayed away from him. They always they warned me away from him. But he was always around there because he had an Italian trainer he was yeah. close to. One day he come to me and said, hey, uh, can I talk to your kid? I was like, yeah, what's up, Jimmy? He says, I hear you got a game. I said, yeah, yeah, but on Mondays you want a place. He says, no. No, I just want a piece. I want a Gino tomorrow, and from <laughs> now on it's a nickel a week. I'm like, what? He says, you heard me, kid. I said, I, uh, he said, I know you're raking that game. I said, I paid the night. He said, listen, I don't want to hear it, kid. Yeah. Don't make me have a problem. I'll see you tomorrow. Bring my Gino. I was ghost white. Gino does a thousand, guys. So I think we lucky. all know that. Some people don't. Listen, by a miracle, I am friends with an old Italian horse owner that befriended me. He was a wealthy Italian guy, owned a big car dealership, knew the boys. I didn't know. With him. But he walks up to me, Augie Stella, and he says, what's wrong, Ronnie? You all right? I said, no. I told him the story Jimmy had. He said, he looked at me like, that don't sound right. He says, I don't think that's probably should be happening. He said, I got to go see the old man tomorrow morning. Meet me in the kitchen after. Don't worry about it. Let me see what I can find. I'm like, oh, okay, thank you. Wow, I couldn't <laughs> believe he said that. And so I'm like, this fear. I didn't even sleep that night. The next morning, I'm at the track kitchen at 10 o'clock. Augie comes walking in. He walked up to me. He says, that guy didn't have permission. He said, I saw the old man. Uh, he's gonna he slap, was freelancing. He's going to slap his hand. He says, you're not going to bother you no more. You just stay away from him and don't say nothing to him. Yeah, yeah. But you got no problem no more, wow, kid. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. if not for that, 
I got a wife and a kid. I got to move. I just bought a home. Yeah. I'm gonna, I have to move. Yeah, old Jimmy. Or was, I'm Jimmy working was for him. Freelancing. Yeah, yeah, because he he we, we, he was a known killer. We knew he'd murdered. You know, guys. back in the day in Cicero, when my family lived there and grew up, you could literally it was so protected by that element that you could literally leave your windows and your doors wide open, 24 hour, 24 hours a day. Nobody came in. Different. This. It's a different city now. Way it's different. way different. Yeah. But. That that's, no, that's it, was it was a th- one of the tightest cities in America. Yeah, it was. It was tight. Yeah, yeah. I, I spent nine, ten years there, Sportsman's Park. I rode. Yeah, my family I, grew I up went there in 1980. It was yeah. the first time I left Louisiana. I come out to Chicago to Sportsman. Yeah, that's was, how, and, and all my kids were born. I lived in Chicago about ten years. I loved. Nobody Chicago. would dream of going in there and and, and doing anything no, back in that day. No. So yeah. Interesting. Funny, I didn't know I was doing life. a podcast with two mafia members. That's interesting. I'm not a member, co- but I had some. Uh, <laughs> the closest thing I get to it is my mother being a butcher. My dad's tax return said furniture mover. <laughs> I don't, That's a true story. Let's not uh, tell yeah. the IRS. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, he's, he's been <laughs> dead since 76. So yeah. oh, okay. what those 80,000 <laughs> new well, agents they're hiring, my, my maybe father, they might go after him. My father was a plumber. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know what i do now <laughs> all right ronnie onto a lighter side i've known you for the past year through maybe a little longer through poker and you were a single man in venice picking up chicks now you're a married man in venice picking up one chick tell us how that happened because wow. you call it a miracle really really unique funny story yeah i'm uh i've been single 30 years from my i was married at 19 and divorced at 28 and i'm 58 now i was mar- i was single 30 years yeah and wanted a partner would love to have found the person that really uh, checked the boxes that i needed in in my life to make my life better because i had a great life i'm like if i find someone amazing and the right one i'm gonna do it but if i don't i'm gonna stay single because i had a most beautiful amazing life but i was missing that one person and Lo and behold, I was having lunch one morning, um, breakfast one morning in Venice a couple of years ago, and I met a young lady sitting behind me with her girlfriend. Started chatting them up just a, a little bit. They were from Germany. They were leaving that night to go back. They had been here a week. They loved it. Just a short conversation. And as I get up to leave, I got her Instagram and said, well, let me connect because I might go to Europe one day. You can tell me where to go in Germany. Sure. So we connected and didn't think much of it. It wasn't kind of love at first sight or nothing. And it was a year and a half later that she came up on my Instagram page on his beautiful his red dress his beautiful blonde and I'm like wow who is that I couldn't figure it out and the next thing you know over the next couple of weeks I started looking in and seeing her more and I checked her page and I'm like wow she's and then did you slip, I, into, I, did I, you I slip into, into her DMs well, not yet I liked it's something that sliding. she I liked her I hearted Never. a couple of her pictures or something and she noticed it then she hearted a couple of mine I'm like oh I got her attention then okay yeah. and then I said something or she said oh I'm coming back to uh, LA for a visit next year I'm like oh wow really so we started chatting. She says, yeah, next month I'm coming for a visit. I'm like, so cool. And uh, that was the start of it. And she came, uh, for, spent took, for eight days. She ended up staying 10 more. Uh, we really hit it off after she got here. And you and told me at first, when you first, I think you mentioned you offered her one of your bungalows that you have. And you were getting zero vibes from her. Right. Like, yeah, she it said, was ah, like, look, know you know, I'm, I'm putting her up. It's cool. She's a pretty girl, good friend. But... Oh, Ronnie isn't feeling it. Like yeah, from yeah. her, we ain't, we, ain't, we ain't emotionally connected. She's yeah. not. She's not into me. But then she's not into me. But then, not, the first three days at all. But then you put her on a boat. So the, the fourth day, I'd already booked uh, uh, my buddy who had invited us for me out on a boat ride, and I said to her, "You know, what? I'm going on a boat with my buddy on Wednesday. If you want to do that, you can do that with us too." You know, I kind of told her all these up ahead of yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. So now I'm like, kind of wishing, like, ah, we ain't hitting it off. I don't know why I'm taking her out there, but she's sweet, nice. Okay, you know what? It'll be fun. <laughs> I kind of I looked at it. Yeah. You know, and being a good guy and a nice guy. And 
we went on the boat and all day boat ride, about a 30 minute boat ride in was really cold. And the next thing we kind of like by nature, we just had to kind of snuggle up to stay warm coming in because we were both freezing. Sure, sure. And with that, she realized that I was into her and then I realized that she was been holding so back. She little... was into me. I could just feel she just got real comfortable sitting with me and that started it. And then five days later, she's supposed to leave. And I asked her not to leave and she said, I don't want to. She was able to work remotely here for 10 more days. And I knew by that point before she left that I didn't want her to leave. And how long did it take before you two were married? Well, she went back and was gone. She had to go uh, plan Christmas with friends in Egypt, Christmas and New Year's. And she called me in between them. She said she told her friends that she was leaving to come back to the U.S. because she wanted to see me. So she came back for New Year's and then never left. And in January, a month later, uh, January, we went and got married. Living the dream. Yeah, living now, the dream. Now, here's the question. You're 58. Yes. How old is she? She's old enough to know better and too young to care. How old is she? <laughs> say it. I can't say that. <laughs> I, know, I know what it is. Can I say? She's an adult. <laughs> She's early 30s. Give that man a high five. Yeah, no. <laughs> you know what she is? We're, we're, oh, okay, I yeah. know. She's a soulmate. I got it. <laughs> Uh, she's uh, she's a unique, really unique, <laughs> smart, beautiful girl, and uh, we really just hit it Stop off. We got so many she things in common. Worst. When she, when I found out she loved country music after the first few days, I'm like, oh my god, I'm in love with this girl because I yeah. love country yeah. music. She loved country music. I said, Let, I'm, I'm gonna go sing karaoke one night. You want? She, I love this thing. Let's go. That was another big. It's just one thing after another. Kept like I'm like pretty soon. I looked at her about nine days in. I'm like, I think this girl's the one. But. Everything I'm like, no. here she is. It's the Beautiful, miracle. It's young, the miracle. Sweet. She's fun. Like, yeah. That's what he said. It's and it's miracle. a small miracle because I, I was, I thought I had about a 20% chance of that happening, you yeah. know, in this later in my life now to really finding someone that yeah, I yeah. really, that you really that, like. This, like everything was just so great with, uh, and um, yeah, so what am I waiting for? Yeah. I don't want to waste and no now time. She, and I didn't want her to go now back. She's outside sitting COVID. out there with your dog. Yeah, she's yeah, uh, she's yeah. got our daughter. We call <laughs> her a puppy. Dog. Well, didn't you have that dog before you met her? I did, but so well, it's, it's yeah, more it's more hers now. now. But it sounded funnier the way I said it. Yeah. No. Yeah. 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 Nothing you say it's, is it's sounding funny. It's our dog <laughs> to me, who's like spends more time with her and I think loves her more already. I really like the part of the story where you you know, like you let her stay at your house. But you didn't like no. there you yeah. you left it alone. You're like, okay, well she's not into me, but you know what? I still you were still like Gentleman, kind and yes. polite and said, oh, I still have this boat trip. You weren't like, Oh, well, she's not into me, like F her. Yeah, I'm not one of them. I have a daughter and I have a granddaughter. So I treat women uh, I treat everybody with kindness uh, to begin with. But women I was raised by women. I had about six women that raised me as a kid, so I was really, really um, uh, whatever you call it, spoiled by so many women that I am really uh, very kind, but extra with women, the young women, older women, kids. I, I, I just affinity I, I just for respect, a, a really, really respect. respectful. It's I'm just really, being really respectful. A good human. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I and I went in with that intention, yeah. and then with the hope that oh, what if we connected? You never know. I'm gonna give her an opportunity. I'm gonna put her there and see how it works out, and I'll be around her if she's around. I knew I figured if she's around me enough, she'd find a pretty cool character is what I thought. I was pretty confident, you, right? Yeah. So I thought, but I knew I got someone that, that much younger and all that and, and that strange, like she's got to be around me enough to, for a short time. So I figured that'd be, that'd be the best yeah. way to work. So you wore, you wore sure her down. Enough, four days. Yeah. It took me, uh, what was that? Yeah. That is the worst. He that wore it down. It took him four days. Yeah. Yeah. I was really, uh, I stayed so, in the buggy. So I stayed in the race. Yeah, stayed I stayed in the race. race. That's what my book Come says. Come on, baby. We got it. You got to oh, stay man, in the race. I am the Go cream ahead, in this cookie today. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so between the two of you, who talks more? <laughs> <laughs> Ronnie, I swear, I promise, he loves to talk, sing, rap, yeah. and do poems. Yeah. Oh, I know. She, I mean, was... she, she constantly says to me, could you wait? I'm talking. 
Yeah. yeah. She has to stop me. I have a bad habit. I'm a blabber. I'm the mouth of the South is what they used to call me, call yeah, me yeah. in horse racing when I was an agent. They gave me another nickname, one of the 10 nicknames, the mouth of the South. Yeah. I swear I do need to learn how to shut up and listen more. And she keeps, she reminds me of that daily. So she's great for me in that way. And uh, I'm very open to of course, growing and learning and bettering myself. So that's good. I, I really don't think that there's like a, a one equation that is the correct equation to make a relationship work. I think it's just what two people decide between the two of them. Mm -hmm. And if she's telling you to shut up and let her finish, then I think that's perfect. Yes, I know it's perfect. <laughs> I find it after it's like, uh, I'm like, I need that. No one's ever done that. To, you know, I'm not, that was some of my habits that needed work she's gonna on. parallel how obviously she has to no, do this with no me. romantic stuff here but like i have to tell him to shut up all the time and <laughs> and even just one word comes out of his mouth and i do that yes <laughs> yeah as soon as i have no. the thought it's shut down yeah. i don't even know i'm joking i actually oh, kind of like him yeah she does, she does. Uh, so talk to me about hustler i there's a note here about you saying that you might have had a little bit of pro a problem with nick i want to hear about well, that I, let's, there, like, let's, some drama let's frame it this way i wrote in the notes here it, it, like sometimes there's been some agitation. We need drama. So these guys love drama, and we've had you've had some agitation with me. Mm -hmm. So who hasn't? Just, whatever. So just for fun, and please, anything this is like an open forum. Let's talk about it because they love this shit. Okay. Okay. Because well, I have a long list of my agitations, <laughs> <with> Nick. <laughs> well, first of all, let me be honest. It's whatever. I, th it is. I think it's you know of course it first stemmed from jealousy because he's killing it. And I'm getting my butt kicked, my ass handed to me, and he's rutted so good. So I'm like, I gotta pick on somebody. I gotta release this anger, right? So we're yeah. let's pick on the guy that's killing us and rape, you know, skinning us every weekend, every uh, every week. So a little bit of that that he was the one I could gig, but like you know, because he made every set. Every time he had a pair, he had a set, and every set he had held up. I'm like, who get, who has that happen? And you saw the other night, I, forgot, I got my first set in two months, and what happens? Yeah. Four hundred diamonds, you yeah, know. Yeah. I'm like, so why can I good, be like Nick? He has a good sense of humor, so yes, you can Lord. needle him. Because you, you can't needle the actual asshole or grumpy guy, because no. they it, it'll Correct. make your life miserable. Correct. You have to have a, the right totally. And you can't, get, you can't needle a guy that's getting beat up. You know, and well, doing no good. I mean, he, he the is, best guy to pick on is the guy on the, on the top. He's, you know, how much he's going to say back? Because he's just taking the money every day. Yeah, I just taking giggle. the money every day. I just giggle and look at so, you. So, other than that, uh, and I think sometimes I'd get a little overboard, you know, because the <laughs> crowd, the, the, the neighbors liked it. My players, yeah, yeah, you'd be like, into they'd it. be gigging me like, get him. There was one time, it. Chris, especially for Chris, when we play with Chris, I yeah, definitely yeah, try yeah, to he get loves him more because Chris loves it, but, and that helps Nick because it makes him feel good while Nick's taking all his money. So yeah, no, in you the end, it's really good. working in Nick's favor. That's right. That, thank you. I appreciate the service. <laughs> I'm glad you. There was recognize. one. There was a couple times he got agitated. It was really funny. So one time I can think of my got the nickname Nicky Racks and that is because we had literally at three hands left and I, I had crushed the game I was up Ronnie was uh, on a little bit of monkey tilt he had had a rough day and I uh, <laughs> I had actually somewhere to go this time my daughter was having an issue she had texted me and, and she was having an issue with her boyfriend and so she's like daddy when are you coming home so I had Tita get me some racks and I was racking up because that process actually takes a while when mm -hmm. the game's over you give your mics back you rack up they got to bring it back you got to sign it's like a 20 minute process or even more sometimes so I'm trying to get ahead of it there's three hands left and I haven't stopped playing I'm just racking up and that hat on his head about blew off he was like oh there yeah lock it up lock it I'm like Ronnie we got three minutes man I gotta get out of here and you were but you were agitated 
Yeah. Yeah. It was like a, you know, the third or fourth run that I had, a time that I played in a row that was just Wait. getting killed and that he just killed it. And he says he was still playing. No, he was accepting cards, but he wasn't playing anymore. <laughs> okay, that's that was fair. official. So we, that yeah. was, does the game keep going after the cameras go off? Uh, no, I stayed till the cameras were off. No, 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 it, the no, game no. does sometimes, but in, in Nick's in, in Nick's uh, defense, he doesn't stay when the cameras go off. A lot, 80, 70 percent of the players no, want to stay. Yeah. I'm like him, 80 90 percent of the time. Win, lose, or draw. I, I leave also. So win, I could be down a million. Draw. I leave. Win, it lose, or draw like too. A hit and run. No, 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 no. For, it wasn't, no, it wasn't that. People. No, it wasn't a hit and run. It was like finish the game. Like you're stopping playing. Now. Maybe somebody else is gonna stop too because they're up. And the next thing you know, he was guys that are stuck. You know, I'm just. Yeah, it was just like he was. It was a moment. Like why you couldn't wait three hands? You gotta go now. You know. Here's the next. I was this tilted. This was funny as shit. <laughs> yeah. he, we were playing. I know, I he, was, he was getting crushed, and I think it, we were in a couple hands that I beat him out of, so he was... Yes. Physically, visibly frustrated, <laughs> yeah. and this is totally on my part. Where out I of just, etiquette, out of etiquette, which we'll t I'm sure I have a bunch, <laughs> but I didn't mean to do it. What happened was he bet. I checked. He bet. I raised. I think it went that way, but at, or you I were thinking of raising or something. No, before but I, you were thinking of raising. No, I after oh, you I ra after, you raised. That's I right, raised. You that's why you were mad. That's why I raised, and then I said after I raised, I said because his hand was in front of his chips. Now after, I'm starting to think about what I'm going to do. Me, this is me being a dumbass. I should know what he has in his stack before I raised, but I didn't, and then I realized to myself, oh shit, I don't even know what he has there roughly, and so I said, Ronnie, what do you have after I put in the raise? And you could see he thought about it for a minute. He goes. You're gonna raise me and then ask what I have. <laughs> Such a fuck's sick wrong move. with you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, and I thought about it for a second. If you want to know how much you're betting, how much I got before, and yeah, I but thought, now you bet, and you're gonna like, let me decide first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I move he's, all in, then you he's, ask. He's if thinking, I fold, I don't want to tell you how much about I got. My raise, and I'm asking, which is totally backwards. And then after he said, you're gonna fuck. And I'm like, oh shit! I yeah, think to yeah. myself, yeah, fucking yeah. got a As he's point. sitting with a set, of course, and <laughs> I got top pair, top kicker. Yeah, he's, you know, he's drawn completely dead, <laughs> as I always am with him. <laughs> Anyways, that's what I wrote there because I thought uh, they'd love to yeah. hear about it. Yeah, and again, that's just you know agitation and a little uh, emotional uh, breakdown in the moment, right? Because as soon as that moment's over oh, and, 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 and that hand's over, we're good. I mean, I love him. I'm, and that's the way, that's my nature anyway with anybody. Yeah. Even if somebody I get mad at and angry at, give me five or 10 minutes and I'm going to probably be the first one to apologize and take that back because that's not the person I want to be. You Recently, know? you did go on to a little break. Was that a poker hospital break? Was that a mental break? Yes, it was a mental break. What, it, yeah, just, it just got to a point. Just, it, it, for about two months, I just really yeah. run really, really uh just bad in my opinion it was just up against it I just and I got the last three sessions I knew I was not playing at all near my best game my behaviors and my energy and my playing and I'm like when I realized like what am I doing you know what and then the last hand I played, of course, that, that cemented it was Kings? with Chris. I got all in with Chris. I had aces. Oh, yeah. And me and Chris uh, uh, Luda got it all in for about 35K. And he had kings, of course. And what comes on the blob? Yeah. King, yeah, yeah. I, I was there. I'm like, and you know I remember what? that. I, I guess that's the universe because I believe in the energies and the love of the universe and the attraction. It's like, I think it's telling me this is what it's time for. The very next hand, you had kings and someone uh, had a set of eights, but somehow you wiggled out of it. What was that? It was the very next hand. I don't, I don't remember. Know, but do you yeah, remember but was, that? I, I would, oh, 
I didn't rebuy. You didn't rebuy. Yeah, and you would have got. You would have lost four hundred and fifty or, yeah. or six hundred fifty dollars instead of having ten k. And then you had the, kings. You didn't rebuy. I, I had the chips. I didn't pull them and out. Someone hit a set I'm of eight. Like, I'm gonna take a hand. I don't know. So you got lucky. But then you took I, your. I would have lost ten k. That snapped. Yeah. Again. Ronnie, this is ironic because he doesn't remember a single hand that he plays. I have to send him his own goddamn videos, but he remembers every hand you play. No, now, just that. I, just that take. That but and we yeah, talked about that. See what he was saying? How he was going bad, and then he couldn't make a decision. That's when you were looking at my notes on something else. We were talking about being in the zone and when yeah. you're running bad it's hard to stay in the zone you can't think and when you know your energy is not good your energy it's, it's, is it's, so it's, big it's a place not to be in gambling or in relationship discussion because you're not balanced if you're not coming from a, you know a balanced place you can't make your best decisions yeah so well, I, that's what i'm saying when you're not in the zone you're making bad decisions financial in a game pushing. and then every single the player agitates you yes like yes. that wouldn't normally be like Correct. oh that's funny and we're talking but that day or that week or that month no bueno. I noticed my anger after getting beat some hands and my some snap things I said that yeah. I was embarrassed of because like I'm like, who is that guy? Who, how, when did I turn into that guy? Yeah. Never been that guy in yeah. poker just, in 40 it's years. It's a human moment. And, you know, all the big losses didn't matter. But, you know, playing two times a week, sometimes three times yeah, a week at that yeah. time, that's what really... It's burnout. I, I was overplaying, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, so it was between that, for sure, I needed a break and a reset, but I took a... Like I think I took six weeks off because of my company, uh, Savesorb, that I'm so in, uh, involved in, and they really need so much of my time. And I was not putting the focus I needed to, and then I realized, yeah. like, what am it, I doing? It, this yeah. is my business. I'm an entrepreneur. This is what I've got to make it happen. And I'm here putting so much tension to poker because I love it and having fun. But I need to get back to basics. So now I cut it down to once a week, and uh, and the six weeks did me great because I've come back and I've had four out of five win sessions yeah. winning. So yeah. I feel really good, my and, and I know I'm. Uh, kind of back on a level balance yeah. align with my sure. true self. Sure. And real quick before we get to the next thing we want to ask you, uh, if you guys love this show, please subscribe. Hit the like button. It does help us. Veronica and I plan on doing this for a very long time. We're excited about it. Share it. Retweet it. All that crap. Oh, sorry. I was yelling, help me to the camera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, you'll have to read uh, that thing you have. Uh, uh, I am safe. They are taking good medical care of me. I am not Please blinking. send the money. <laughs> you know what I want to say, Nick, about what you said earlier? Uh, I am so happy. The, what uh, Most excited I was about you starting this show and what I realized was going to happen because of that is just what you said, mm -hmm. that you're going to bring players on to learn more about them. Yeah. And I'm that guy that I, I want to learn and know more about so many. Because I, like, I feel like we're a camaraderie of guys and we don't sure. get to talk and yeah, enough right. and find out where does he work, where does he live, this is, what I have is he married? I love that. That's why I remember saying to you and Ryan, why don't y'all have somebody interviewing uh, right. some more? Y'all were doing it some, and y'all said, oh, just wait. This is the perfect. This now you get to really yeah. get uh, I have a lot to, to learn say about so much. this. Yeah. Because in the mid-2000s when poker was blowing up, we had characters in poker. Oh, when, wow. I we were when I got my jeans. When I got my jeans. stories. Wow. That's when you got your ugly-ass jeans, yeah. okay? But that's okay. He the looks Unabomber, okay the magician, but, come but on. So... so Oh, my dear God and baby Jesus, okay. save us. So listen, uh, I feel like, and so I worked in a post-production show on Poker After Dark, right? And the interviews were really light. I felt like I never really got to know the characters the way I wanted to get to know them. And I felt like, uh, and I love Poker Go, and I think Poker After Dark's a great show, and so is High Stakes Poker. But I feel like we could do so much more with developing characters. Now, mm -hmm. yeah. now a year in where you've got Hustler Live, Hustler Casino Live, and all of these characters that literally everyone loves. We have a book about it. I didn't even know there was a book. Yeah. But 
now we get to interview the people and we get to develop these characters again. We get to get to know people. We get to know Ronnie. I didn't know this about Ronnie. Ronnie's right. cool to watch. I also am curious a little bit more about your experience on Hustler. But this is like an, a, a really essential part of poker that I feel is missing. And so look at us. We're bringing I, it back. I, I, I love, <laughs> I couldn't wait. Your first episode and y'all got Garrett on. I love learning and listening yeah. of his experiences, his uh, daily life, his dream, you know, his vision. His, he's having kids. All these things. It's so interesting to know about the character, who the person well, is now. And all the players, I can't wait to, to, to see more and more I'm on because I'll be the biggest fan listening to him and learning who these people are that I'm playing poker with. Well, That's Ryan and I, that, that was our goal because, you know, you know, we've had I've had some background in that too. And, you know, when we started this show, one of our main goals was to build characters and it was hard it's hard to do because we still are building them everyone knows ronnie's the singer this guy's this this you know so they hey when are we going to have this guy back i mean if you read through all the chat and and all the comments of our of our shows hey when's mickey coming back hey when's dylan coming back dylan, when's this reza the for preza the reza yeah. rings you know and so all this stuff so there's characters being built organically and we kind of wanted to do some production with the show out like not this but like some production and follow people around their lives but it's 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 hard to do so that's why this platform is perfect and these people watching they want to know they want to know who ronnie is they want to know who garrett is like the backstories because it makes it that much more interesting when they're going to watch everyone play because then they know more about that person and their character in their life and I, it's really cool yeah. so i'm genuinely curious with your time on hustler is there a player we want to know the gossip you need to let us know is there a player that you have a very difficult time with that you guys bash heads a little bit no, not at all. Oh my God, what not a, safe a answer. not a player. No, I, be I believe him. right here. No, that, that's not. <laughs> oh no, I love. <laughs> no, I love no, playing with Nick. Uh, yeah, we have fun uh, trolling him and gigging him. Yeah, because I always keep it respectful, so he knows. Ronnie's even though it aggravates him, and I'll get his buttons. I can push his buttons sometimes. You've pushed him. Oh yeah, I know. You've I know. Pushed him. I know. Like, and I'm and, having, and, and when I know I'm when to stop. Great session. And sometimes I know when to stop. And sometimes I went overboard and I realized, and then I just shut it down. Possibly. Yeah, yeah. And then other times I know I can just softly just keep coming. So then who's the best one to play with? Who's your favorite when you see them in the lineup? Uh, I love my man Josh Michello because me and him just hit it off and he hadn't played in a while, but I love that character and he's a big yeah. buddy of mine. He's really fun. But I mean, I love, I, 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 it's hard to say when I just, his name come because I haven't seen him in a while. But the funny thing is, it's kind of like a, a, a brotherhood, this game. It ain't like yeah. a regular going. I've never had this feeling where you go to a game regular, like a, at a casino ever, and feel like you like and let me talk. Like if you go to a casino, you never talk to no one really. This is a, we laugh, we tell stories, we joke. I feel like like we're a bunch of guys playing at my house, right. like a home game, Wouldn't like a agree? warm home game. That's what it feels like every time. Yeah, and everyone that shows up like fits that sits into that that place. Everybody's so cool, so respectful, yeah. so nice. You get the odd person that you know we might yeah, rub us wrong, and a few of them don't. Had a couple of them that probably don't play what, anymore. What's maybe. the variable or variables involved in making it feel like a home game? Uh, I think everybody because being themselves. Another I live think, stream uh, doesn't feel that way. The regularity of you know pretty well so much of us are always playing this. Same people or the same, you, with the same crew every week. You get to play with the majority of them regularly. That's one. And I think the characters that showed up, I think we're just really lucky. We got some amazing, cool, 
people, characters. What do you think it is? Besides good poker sure. players, they're just like a lot of good people and uh, and kind. Yeah. What I Respectful. what I think it is is this. We and again, I mean this respectfully. Top shelf show. We have the 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 cream of the crop pick, meaning literally everyone does want to be on our show. I swear I'm not just saying that. And so we have the cream of the crop. And so Ryan and I have have chosen people that are not only that are good for the game in many respects that that are personalities a lot of these other places don't have that luxury to pick from and i've often said on stream to guys that i'm talking like this show has changed my life in so many ways because two or three times a week i like you just said i look f- shit I, I fucking love poker so fun. but wait a minute i love showing up there <laughs> and bullshitting and telling the same jokes with you and listening to the same shit. 40 years of poker the best time yeah, of my life me too me now. too because i'll tell and you what about three or four months ago on a saturday i was bored stiff i was hungry and everyone was out of town and i thought i'm gonna go to the commerce club and i'm gonna play and they had 10 20 they had or whatever ronnie like they're gonna beat him. oh my god like miserable I sat there with eight other people that didn't say shit. It was the most boring time. And you know what I thought to myself? Thank God for Hustler Casino Live. Thank God. Because it's fun. It's a great action game. There's characters. And uh, that's why we're taking over the the live stream poker. I remember asking you, I think it was last time I saw you. I'm like, how does someone get on Hustler? Because, you know. Uh, I I've been offered to be on the uh, Monday show, but I I assumed everybody just gets an offer, and you're like, no, you have to be interviewed. No, no. You have it, to yeah. you have to be a character. You have to. We need the right type of person. So it's sure. like almost like not an audition. Yeah, it we is. got enough mitouchis. We don't allow not, any more. Uh, there's only yeah. so many. Nits no more low V pips. Your V pips got to be above thirty hey, now. Uh, <laughs> I noticed Nick was forty five. Hey, uh, Ronnie, <laughs> I have a V pip intervention that's going to be happening for Nick. Okay. So don't worry about it, everybody. We're we'll gonna get talk that about it later. Up. Yeah. We can, talk about we can later? talk about it whenever you want. I don't know if Ronnie wants to be well, a part of this inter- okay, intervention, but, uh, but it's gonna happen. No, we're gonna talk about it right now after we say one thing. First of all, to answer that question, how it works is this: it's mostly Ryan, but it's a combination of both of us, and you have to fit in somewhere. You either have to be really good for the game, where you want to go berserk, and because people love seeing that kind of action, they do. Hence That's the what they comment, want, right? Yes. Okay. Or you got to be a personality, right? And, Name my and poker game. Whether they hate you, though, I want to know your VPIP. <laughs> he's he's I'm, up there. I'm, I'm always Double in the digit? middle, middle to okay, high. Okay, we're gonna. You're gonna wait for that before you. you you're gonna wait, and and I'm. <laughs> you're gonna wait. So so here's I'm the not thing. Let it die. I know. No, don't we don't like want. We don't want it to die longer. Oh please. Keep her waiting. She's gonna wait her whole life because that ain't never happening. All right. So now listen. So now let she'll concur. I got it. Whatever. All right. So here's the thing. Um. But uh, you have to have a personality. You have to be good for the game. And the other way we talked about, um, of course, we do have pros on. So if we have pros on, then they're a big name. That's yeah. a big draw. Yeah. But you don't build your game from that way up. You build it from the bottom up. And then the pros that are famous or that are in demand to see will come. Like, you know, Garrett crushes the game, right? But but why? But Garrett doesn't sit with a hoodie on, with glasses, doesn't say anything, and, and grind. He he will he Great plays show. a certain style of game, which we'll talk about VPIP-wise because you have to have a certain style. Whether if you got a, a But here's the funny thing. If you watch Garrett in a different type of game, if he goes to high stakes poker and he's playing with all those pros, you're not going to see no 30, 40, 45% VPIP. You're going to see in the 20s because that's optimal poker and he knows he has to play it. In these games that we're playing, he's so deep stacked and he's so good post-flop 
that he doesn't have to play a certain GTO way because he could make up for it post-flop and in, in, in pressure poker because if he sees somebody sitting there with $40,000 and yeah, all those players that are playing his game, most of them have a lot of money, but it's still relative, right? It's still, still a lot of money. And to have that pushed at you, you know, every so often where your whole stack's uh, in in jeopardy, that's his advantage. He plays mm -hmm. power poker that way, yeah. right? But because he's such a good personality, he talks, he yes, he laughs, yes. whatever, he's exactly. good for the show. There's a lot of pros that contact us that are dying to get in that game. They would do anything. They would actually pay to play in the game, but you can't get in the game. Now, I want to ask you a question, okay? Now, this is not defensive. This is because you like talking about it, and I love it. If you had to guess in the last 12 performances of performances. mine yes my last 12 10 10 performance what would you say my average Live. my average v pip is if you had to guess since you brought the subject up because 8%. i know because i know you've done your homework eight percent top of the range would be 11 percent. okay that's why you don't know what you're saying <laughs> <laughs> so i've never finished the show under double under single digits never okay. what's your average my average? He's so butthurt about no, this. because you... Wait, Veronica, 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 wait, Veronica, wait. She went in the lab. No, I went in the lab because you told me. Because he's so upset. It's been hurting him for weeks. <laughs> not at all. And I love that it's not been hurting him No, not lot. at all. I am Nick Nitucci. I do yeah. not deny it. Veronica, but let's talk about Fabricated it. stats coming. Let's go. <laughs> no, I got, these, I got these from Kyle. Okay, okay. You I know who go, Kyle yeah, is? Yes, yeah, but you finish. I'll go after. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, but we got it. We got to talk facts, though. Yes. Okay. Of course. So let's talk facts. Correct. All right. Facts. I know what you're gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> but that's proof. But that's a proof of how stupid the 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 the, the stat is. Right. I know what you're gonna say, and you fine. Do Correct. it. Twenty eight per twenty eight point seven percent was the last ten. I got those from Kyle, and I had him send it to me because I was gonna have double M on, who's lower. Who gave I me that love rant? Double M, by I way. love him more Don't than talk you love him. About my oh. I, I will never. Oh yeah, <laughs> but I did. I did this M. not because of this show. I had this because I wanted to have him on, and I thought he was. And I had Kyle go back and do both. And mine are higher than his. Okay, so it doesn't matter to me. I don't even care. But here's one thing I want. Oh, to Okay, he doesn't care. Okay. No, okay. I don't. It's because it gets discussed. Don't you want me to engage? I love I, it. I love it. I want all of this. Don't you Nick. want me to engage? I have been waiting for this like literally okay. the last 10 years so of my life. So let's put this in the perspective. Ronnie, I'm going to talk to you since she's already got her mind made up. All right. I play how many weeks in a year? 52. Okay. I play three times a week, usually average. Yes. Okay. You play the Friday games? I haven't seen you in the Friday games. I do, but I'll talk to you about it's that. It's been because a while. You, yeah, but it's not because of what you think. I'll tell you that too. You love controversy. Are you broke? <laughs> broke, broke no, a, I just walked around I'm his property. Broke, I'm broke. He's got a lot of problems, baby. That ain't one of them. <laughs> broke is an artichoke. Okay, so listen. Um, yes, I use whiteboards. We'll talk about that too later. All right. So there's 52 weeks in a year. In the game we play, Ronnie, whether I play Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, could you say that in each show you play, you could lose a 30 ball or a 50 ball? Every show. Easy, right? Each. Okay. Let's say that I lost 1,000 a show and I wanted to put on and I wanted to have like, cause I, I'll give you an example. I talked to, uh, uh, what the hell's his name? DQ. Mm -hmm. We, he played this week and I asked him because I know he's pumping out the propaganda about his VPIP. If it's over 60, he's really happy with himself. It's his most important stat ever, right? Really? Yes. I, didn't, I haven't noticed that. Okay. It's true. And so I said to him on the stream, I said, what's the most important stat to you? Would you rather have a 60% VPIP and, and lose 10K 
Or would you ha have a 25% VPIP and win 15K? He said, hands down, 60% VPIP and lose 10K. You got to be out of your mind, right? So to that point, and I don't know how he does it because I don't know what he does. Can you really. ask him, can you get me his number so I can get him in my private game? <laughs> that, sound, the guy you want him great. in your private game or where do you want him? <laughs> well, I'm just saying with that kind of willing to lose that money, you must have a lot of money. That's so, what I'm saying. Oh, that's what it is. Okay. Do you have a private game? Mind your own business. That's not how <laughs> So, all right. So let's say I lost $1,000 a show. You know how much that is a year? 156000 Let's say I lost 3000 a show just going crazy because I just feel like that's my most important stat. That's $468,000 a year. If I lost $5,000 a show average, that's seven hundred eighty k. If I lost 10K a show, it's $1.56 So my point is, is I play six, three times a week. My VPIP is between, really optimal should be around 25 to 28 if, if that type of thing, right? If you're just, you know, and I like poker, so I really want to like try to play and learn it that thing. And I play so much. When I was playing once a week, it was crazy because I was playing every hand because I was only there once a week. I was running these businesses and I just wanted to go there and gamble and splash. Action. Just action. So it's just, so that's just my story and I'm, and sticking, I'm sticking to, to it. it. Okay. Okay. So here's a few things. Okay. Your potential losses don't really have anything to do with anything. They do because if I play like that, that's my potential losses. If I just, you, oh, that's not realistic though, no, Nick. Come on, that's you, not a realistic. You, you, 152 weeks, you're gonna lose every a thousand. No, those weeks. are that's an average. So let's say you're after, not gonna lose let's say that after, much. Let's say the average is a thousand you lose over all the year, like because you're not a winning player. Oh my God, I, you're you're you're. I'm hurting your. I'm learning your. That only happens to a complete rookie. About your logic. Anybody just well, just it makes for a good show, and a lot of people are gonna troll me. But listen, listen. So that's good. Nick, okay, we see right. what we see. Like, no matter what you say, Just be we nice. already see what you see. Okay. Don't tell me to be nice. I'm going to be me. <laughs> don't, but listen, don't discipline me. You, don't don't disrespect discipline me. Don't be nice. I want to tell you, I uh, apologize to don't. you for your VPIP because I'm proud of you for having a better VPIP than like 8%. So I but, am proud. But of if you, you for that. didn't know but what my logic is, completely okay. Off, maybe my logic is. But you know what? I'll give it to you. I'll give you your logic, mm. as like ridiculous as it is. But I'm proud of you for having a higher. Don't be pit. proud of me. Why? Is, I want to be proud of you. Why should you let be proud? me be proud of you? Because I was embarrassed for you before. So now I'm proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. No, it, and you don't have this to be. This There's thing, so many Veronica. You there, Ronnie Veronica. This VPIP thing. He is so sensitive. I'm he not. Acts like he's not. He's so. No, sensitive. I'm Nitucci. I was bugging him about his VPIP. Solve for why. Put. A, per, a picture of Hustler Live Casino. No, uh, you're a misrepresenter. Live, a picture of it and his VPIP was like really low in no, the single digits. It and wasn't. he got so bad. It was sashimi. Like, they had the wrong, sashimi. They had Listen, the wrong stats. I'm like, they, they literally put it took a screenshot of Hustler Live. So now he's upset. No, it's I, never, this for the next I year, ended, we're going to hear about I, his I, VPIP. I ended, <laughs> I ended that show at 16%. <laughs> the one you're talking about. Yeah. Um, we can talk about sashimi too. No, no, we I don't. Have in a, lot, I in have a, a minute, lot to say about her. Okay, but wait a minute. But I want to tell you. Hold on, we're here to interview Ronnie, oh, and we're yeah, arguing yeah, Ronnie, like a like up? a fucking married <laughs> enough, couple. Enough about no, hold me. on. No, hold on. <laughs> hey. Enough about Ronnie. Pay attention. Okay, so there is way many more things for you to be disappointed in me than my feet. <laughs> <laughs> if you really so want to look at it, please get it right. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right, you. we're done. All right, Ronnie. Back to. Anyways, whatever. So, so what's been your biggest loss on Hustler Live? I'm curious. And your biggest win. Sorry, Listen, I just wanted to let him think. 
You're uh, just here to be pretty, okay? I think, I, I think 38 <laughs> was my biggest loss, and 174 is my biggest win. Wow, that's completely opposite of Nick. Yeah, mm. Nick's a big loser. Queen okay. Jack of Spades. <laughs> that's my favorite. You don't hand. remember my your forever. old hands? Because we've, ta- we've been talking the about day it. he won. We yeah. just talked about it. the day he won the 170 in the Friday game. He that's the hand that pushed Queen him over Jack with of Chris. Spades. What a Jack! I wonder what a pair of jacks. Right? Yes. Who was it versus who? Chris and Julie. Uh, uh, me and Julie and, and Chris. Yeah, Julie had exit Jack Queen and Chris had Ace King and I had Jack Queen suited. And yeah, yeah. What does Got it feel Julie like? the fold and uh, Chris to. Uh, we ended up getting it all in, so I got really lucky and uh, had a good run out. But, wow, what a day. It's the biggest win of my life, actually, because I never really played this big until Hustler. And I was generally, Who do you I, find I, toughest? I quit playing the last eight or ten years. Who do you I, find I, toughest to play against? Uh, you. Why are you looking I at me like that? that literally oh, did, like, you, did you, she just you, ask that? I asked that literally no. like 45 minutes ago. No, you didn't. didn't. Yeah, no, you, no, you said who I didn't difficult. like. You said who you didn't uh, like. Sure, I thought okay. you said difficult as a personality. I didn't know Wrong again. Okay, go, Ronnie. Yeah, so I find uh, Garrett really tough to play against, yes. you know, because yeah. I've played against him a lot, and I never, I don't, you know, I haven't really studied him, or, so I've only played a few times with him. But out of the three times I played with him, one night I was the biggest winner at the table. Actually, I think he lost that night. So I mean, it's it's possible no matter how good he is, right? There you, you go, get, Garrett. Of course. You're not the best. But yeah, so I love I love that's my claim to fame is like I was the big winner tonight. Garrett wasn't, you know. But anyway, totally. No, him, Nick. I, Nick I is a very Nick's game is really uh, leveled up big time, and he's really really tough. And because he's playing so much closer to the. That it, you know, anytime you're in with him, he's generally got a Listen, really you're big in the hand. Game. You don't he doesn't play. No, he doesn't. He doesn't play that many hands. So when you're playing with him, you better be ready because uh, <laughs> you know the VP, he's, yeah. he's picking his. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm the guy that's playing. I, I picked 28. 28.7%. I'm gonna play three times a hand. He is for <laughs> yeah, sure. He'll you know. fold ace king with a king high flop. Don't worry. Oh, she's uh, speaking of a hand worry. that. Anyone would fold, but you know, I don't I'll, know. I'll teach her more about poker. If they have it, they have it. We'll talk about that hand. Sometimes you just gotta let that shit go. We'll talk about that hand. Yeah, so anybody that's you know, you willing to put a lot of pressure on you, this is your you, favorite subject, uh, or who's really solid in winners, and you look at the winners and the consistent guys that are winning is the one that I want to be uh, more careful around because there's a reason they're winning, right? Results, numbers don't lie. Um, but also Chris Luda, He's Luda tough. will put pressure on you. You know, Nick plays him really well. He's really had a, 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 a good run against him. I actually I have too, but still. He, he's going to three bet, you know, 80% of his hands. So yeah. he's always got the pressure on you. I'm not a guy that plays with a big stack. I generally play pretty careful. I ain't going to put as so much. So how many big blinds do you typically buy in with? I usually buy in 10K. I always start with 10 to 15K. If I played in a big game, I only started with 20. You know, I brought 60, but that was going to be my max loss. So I'm, I really uh, keep it as a business and keep it an eye on it because I got a lot going on. You have on. to. You I'm play too often. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, but, yeah, it's a, such a great game. And there's a lot of other players that, also really tough and challenging, but them three names so, come So I'm through. curious, you're a businessman, you're playing in the highest, the biggest games we have available in LA, I'm assuming, besides probably in someone's house with mm-hmm. topless girls serving drinks. But how would, if you, if a businessman came up to you and said, I really love poker, I want to get into big games, like how did you get to a place where you feel like you're good enough to play against guys like Garrett? Like did you I, I actually did you played on the hustle because I played uh, about, 10 times and only in the, in, in the middle game, the five, five or the 25, 50. And I was, I was up big. I was up about 70 or 80 for my first eight or 10 times. Mm-hmm. And the big game on Friday came up that Garrett and Andy was out of town. And I heard Ryan talking and the lineup was the same people I'd been playing with. And I was running good for the last couple of weeks. I'm like, you know what? Shot There's take. a seat open. He said, yeah, he says, I'll make Nick stay home. He says, so he gave me Nick's seat and I got to, to your uh, question to and we'll get to that. 
uh, next seat and I got to play. And I got stuck 30. I had 10 left in front of me and, and, and the 20 ball behind. And I took that 10 and run it to 170 in about two hours. Uh, some good things happening. Yeah. So that it's shit so never to fun. Me. <laughs> well, it was the first time it ever happened to me in that way. Uh, I was happy for you. I was watching yeah. that. Was and it was really cool. only a couple of cool. really big hands. You know, I made That's some other small takes. hands in between. But as soon as I got 40, I doubled it up to 80. And within a half an hour, I took the 80 and doubled it up to 160, 170. You know? yeah. So it's just you got to run good. You got lucky. And that was yeah. my night. And, uh, and then from there, I played with Andy a few times, and he's another very tough player, but I love playing with him. I love playing with Garrett. I'm just going to, you know, in horse racing, I was told a long time ago as a kid with, your, with horses, they said, keep yourself in the best company and keep your horses in the worst company. In other words, run your horses against the weakest horses you can find. So in poker, I want to keep myself in the worst company when I'm playing and in the best company when I'm so socializing. Got it. Yeah, and to your to your thing you mentioned took my seat so that's what happens so this is the dynamics of hustler casino live when it comes to like seating and uh, to the to the thing about me on friday so <clears throat> a couple things uh one is the friday games are really high in demand and a lot of the players that come to play high stakes there's a limited amount of seats so in that case ronnie wanted to play gave him my seat there's numerous times that happened and then what started organically happening too is that uh, my family, my girls are like have dedicated a lot of times Friday nights to being around because they're very family oriented. So like this last night, I went uh, to we all went to dinner the Friday before we went to the Orange County Fair. So I like dedicating at least that day because I play so much and I'm there uh, so often. And there's been times I haven't been able to get into the Tuesday game. Just this, uh, and, and then next week coming up, we have High Stakes Week. Literally. I'm going to be lucky if I get into one of the games. Ryan and I talked about it. I'm like, man, I really like to hop in at least once, if uh, twice preferably, but uh, it may not happen because now with these big names coming, everybody wants to see, like Jeremy wants to be in the game. This guy wants to be, this guy wants to play because they want to play with RJB. Or, uh, uh, is that RJB? Is that his name? And Or who? JRB. And I knew I said it wrong once I said it. It's RJB now. Yeah, We've... RJB. <laughs> well, you're Valerie. And, uh, and, and all the other players that we have coming. And so it's just that dynamic. And then there's been a couple times we haven't had a commentator, like when you had to step in for Tuckman. So I'll do that because duty calls. And then I'm going to be really frank. There was a good stretch there, and I'm not going to say who, a long stretch there where one particular player was playing on Fridays. I won't play with them, and it has nothing to do with skill. I have come to a conclusion in my life that if there's a vibe that I'm not digging, I don't need to be around it. I don't, I'm not, people joke the bum hunter thing. Not really true. I'd rather play with fucking seven or eight sharks that I like than seven or eight donkeys that I don't care for. So I stayed away from the Friday lineup for a good six to eight weeks just because I won't do it. You I know? feel the same way. I just won't put myself through it. My I just don't want it. I'm ha I like, me. I like being around, like Ronnie says, when I show up to a Tuesday game and Ronnie's there and Jeremy, the salt of the earth and Arby and it's Patrick, sweet, yeah. these are guys oh, I, can't I, wait I to love. Like, like I love sitting there and bullshitting with them and talking. And I have such a, it's such a quality of life for me. Yeah, we played on Saturday. All of us left the poker and went and had a beautiful dinner at a private table in yeah. the, in Venice together, nice Italian food, and it was just so beautiful. Yeah, yeah. It's like, because we all like each other. We enjoy. Yeah. And again, we love to punish. I want to punish Nick as bad as I can. Oh, sure. I'm yeah. just never able to do it on the poker table. Yeah. <laughs> well, you did it pretty good here on my VPIP. <laughs> <laughs>
And I didn't even go deep. <laughs> you didn't even go deep. I didn't deep. even bring out the oh, weapons. I heard that before because <laughs> that's what she said. Anyways. So you're a really interesting character, and I, I want to get to your book. So you wrote a book, yes. Staying in the Race. Staying talk, in the Race. Talk to me about this book. This book was a culmination of 10 years getting published. And the reason it came about me even thinking of writing a book in horse racing, uh, I had a really big run. I'd done really well. I was a sports agent. I had some of the best jockeys in the world over 28 years. And I've become really popular, not only nationally, really internationally in horse racing because of a guy giving me a nickname called the Love Man. And I uh, just took it on, embraced it. It was my alter ego. And it's just, it, it catapulted me to so much recognition and opportunity in the racing world, uh, in the business I was in. And I had people coming at me for the four or five years, three or four years in a row. I must have had a, I started getting count about a 90. I said, you must be the 90th person. You're the 92nd. No, you're 108th. I got to 120th person that said, when are you going to write a book, Ebanks? You should put all them stories, because I'm a storyteller at dinners or in the morning. I get the guys around, and I make them laugh, or I tell them some crazy story happened to me. And they're always saying, so many people kept saying to me, write a book, put them stories in. And the president of Churchill Downs was the last guy, God rest his soul, uh, he passed away. He said to me, he was the president of the biggest racing track in the country, Steve Sexton, and he said to me one morning after I told about 10 of us a big story or a joke and we all bust out laughing and walked our separate ways, and he hollered as I'm walking off and he said to me, why don't Ebanks write a book and send me a copy, will you? And I'm like, that day the light went off and I decided I was going to do it. Just because people really thought, gave me the idea and thought that maybe I could, maybe it would be interesting. And it's, the book is... Uh, a memoir of my whole journey, but it's a collection of stories kind of together, one story after the other. And there must be, I don't know, there's eight, 28 chapters, so they got to be, I don't know, 150 st stories. And so many I left out of crazy things from the mob to near debts to you know poverty to abuse from a stepfather that was growing up that I hated and, and this dream life I got to live and then meeting these billionaires, traveling the world uh, as their guest and Oh, the things I've got to enjoy and the, and the journey I've got to have. It's like I, I tell everybody and my friends, I used to, my, my favorite line, me and Cocky was out drinking. I'd say to the guys, so you know if I died who I'd really love to be, I'd come back as? Me. Me again? <laughs> one <laughs> more time. I know you If well I could have this life one more time, man, I don't think I'd change anything. <laughs> That's it's awesome. It's been that amazing. So That's I've been really that cool. blessed. Yeah, I, I live that kind of life. And then best blessings happen uh, this keep happening to me, you know, finding well, Ronnie, we, partner, we have a, another maybe 10, 20 minutes left. Uh, so tell Veronica and I a couple things. Uh, and it, of course, it doesn't have to be monetary. What, in your opinion, what's your biggest accomplishment in your life? What comes to you first to your head? My biggest accomplishment is having the, um, uh, the heart to go back and save my ex-wife's uh, business. I left her at 28. I wanted a divorce. It, she didn't want it. We had two kids. And uh, I, re I regretted that in, in the end, kind of, even though I just didn't want to be in the marriage. Uh, her life was in a, on a struggle. And I went back years later when she was in real financial uh, struggle with her business. And I bought the business that had saved the business and her both her two homes. She had a rental house and a house she lived in, and she was probably going to go bankrupt. And we hadn't talked in two years. 
but my son was having some issues and trouble and she really needed me so I showed up and then after settling getting him taken care of she broke down and told me that the situation she was in she was having to give up her business and her store yeah. didn't know what she's gonna do so that is the greatest thing that I've ever did in my life and that's the best accomplishment to be the man to do that and she gave me the biggest compliment that I've ever gotten in my life and she says I never thought you'd be the guy to come back and be my, my yeah. shining armor that's to cool. save me because I hated her at the time because she, course, just, yeah, I get you know, she hated me because I left her so the scorn woman I had to stay away from but that shifted our relationship I, I did yeah. that so that on that side and um, on the exercise what's the most what, how you said the question again well it's I just said what's, what's in, in just what comes to your mind your biggest accomplishment whatever it is it could be that yeah, it doesn't so have to be it, big it, 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 it would be the, the kid coming out of Louisiana the rural Louisiana mm -hmm. you're growing up in like mm -hmm. you know poor in a sense uh, really meager beginnings and falling in love with horses and striving for a dream to become a jockey. Not yeah. only did I get to become a jockey, I got to have an unbelievable- You were a world-class jockey. Well, I wouldn't say really world-class jockey, I was a world-class agent. Jockey, I was really good, and uh, I was great in small markets, but I was really tall, so it was, uh, you know, I had a handicap. Yeah. I didn't look like a jockey. That hindered some in my career, but I never got the chance at a big opportunity in a big racing. I just won a lot of races at small tracks. I was a big fish, but as an agent, I became internationally uh, really world-renowned uh, yeah. agent. I was fortunate because I had, had some of the best jockeys in the you world. You were at my house a couple of times. One time you were there, my cousins who are from Chicago, from Cicero, mm -hmm. and uh, I said, hey, this is my friend Ronnie Ebanks. He's a jockey. And they're like, Ronnie Ebanks? Because they were at Sportsman's like every week. They're yeah. like, oh my God, we bet yeah. on that 10 dude. Years, like, I was for at years, yeah. yeah. So years. I mean, definitely a lot of people know yeah. you from that. So, But to have that, create that life from leaving this little hometown and my mom giving me the opportunity to leave home. And, yeah, rags to riches. Yeah. That's a great story. So, the American it's, uh, story. It, 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 that's what kind of my book is kind of like a motivational memoir to me. I want people to re, that read. How do this people book. get that? Uh, if you go to Amazon uh, and just put in Ronnie Ebanks, the book will come up. Uh, Staying in the race and my song uh, "Bigger Truth" will come up that you can get for free. Actually, well, which actually to I'm going to play in a second because uh, I have it on my phone. It may not sound perfect. We should but play I, it on the outro. Well, yeah, like, let's. Yeah, on the show. Yeah, we should just add a clip of it. We could do. Well, so it's positive. Better. It's got Otherwise, some they're all going to complain in the comments. In this, and they will. There might be a clip in there that could work. All right, all right. Then instead see. of us jamming to it right now, we'll play it in the outro. We'll have uh, we'll have it edited. There you and, go. Yeah, yeah. If it's okay. an MP3, we can get it in there. Yeah, that's what she said. We can get it in there. <laughs> all right, then. So let me, let me ask you. Yeah. Talking about my book. What about your book? How did that come about? Uh, and how long ago did you write that? I wrote that about four. Five years ago, I believe. God, I don't know exactly. Okay. I wrote that book, and I'll give you the. I'll, I'll just do the quick cliff notes on it. You look like you're disgusted with. No, this I was. No, I'm, I'm wondering about it. What five face. years? I'm just yeah. Old. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm interested. Yeah, you are and, too. And by the way, I, I brought an extra book to give to you, hoping that you give me one of yours. I, I, would love I have to that trade one signed. You. Beautiful for I'm, you. I have to sign so this for you. I'm gonna give it to you. It's called Seven Figure Decisions: okay. Having the Balls to Succeed. That's Great the, title. That's the title. Powerful. Powerful title. So. In a nutshell, I wrote this book some years back because it's about it's a business book, mm -hmm. but when we talked about this, what it focuses on is why I believe and certain people are successful in life. Mm -hmm. I do not believe it's from your education, although that is amazing if you have a great education. It helps. Yeah, that's all. It, it, it helps. It's yeah, great. But, that, it, it, but, but but I really believe there are some common denominators to success. And they're in that book. And they're very simple. And the simple ones are what we all know. The ability to push through fear. The ability to uh, uh, handle rejection and failure 10 times over. Because 
most people see successful people or they'll see three or four of their major accomplishments, mm -hmm. but they won't see 10 or 15 of their failures that were very painful mm -hmm. and most people quit after the first one. Right. So a lot of that's in there. And I also say this too, I believe if you take all the self-made successful people and you strip them from their wealth and you put them back on the street with just a couple bucks within a certain amount of time years, I don't have it, the study done, but mm -hmm. I just know those people will rise to the top again and find the success and the money or whatever success is to them. And the mm -hmm. people that, um, uh, the opposite, if you give them a bunch, they'll probably, it's it's a wealth mentality versus a poverty yeah. mentality. Yeah. And we it's could just, talk about that for yeah, hours. That's ever. a whole nother show. The we should probably the, the do that. The story they're time. telling themselves. So that book, because when I got into the business I was in, I was attacked severely by uh, another promoter who came after me legally, came after me personally it, with my family. Wow. It's it's a whole story tied into that in, in business principles. And the reason the seven-figure decisions is there, if you guys mind if I just I love tell it. you that part. I love it. Is because I can't wait to read it. He, I was starting this business. I was being attacked, being served being attacked for starting my business from someone that was, uh, uh, it's a whole long story. I, w I won't get into it other than to say, um, this was a best friend of mine who I was close to. Wow. Uh, I was the executor of his estate if something happened to him and I got betrayed by him and my business partner in the, wow. the cash flow business. And it crushed me emotionally. And, and then when I decided to go into the business of teaching people real estate, because he was already in that business, he had deep, deep pockets and a very evil spirit. And he came after me with a multi-million dollar lawsuit. Well, what happened was I had a decision to make. Everyone was telling me, stay away from the big bad wolf. You don't need this shit. And I had a decision to make if I could look at myself in the mirror for the rest of my life, if I wanted to face this, because it was pretty daunting. And um, I started this business anyways, fought through the attacks. And then about three months in, he contacted me because my mother had passed away at one of my very first events to try to pivot it as, and maybe he did have a moment of, fuck, we were friends, shit, I'm sorry to hear about it, we should talk. But once we started talking, I realized that that was just the lead in to get me onto the phone because I, I got on the phone with him and he was like, okay, look, um, you know, Microsoft and uh, Apple both figured out how to survive. They work together. I don't even know what the analogy he was trying to make, basically. And he was afraid of me having more success in that business because the people that worked there were coming to my company because they didn't want to be where he was and they, and they wanted to follow me. And so he basically said at the end, um, you have two choices. Your choices are this. He said, your first choice is you could, before you make any decisions with your business or hiring, we could talk and we can discuss if it's okay. And I said, let me put it in layman's terms. You're saying to me that I need your approval before I can hire someone. And he said, well, you're being like really dogmatic about it, but I mean, I guess so, but more so we work together. I said, I'm not crazy about the first one since you've already attacked my family. Uh, we've had death threats, all sorts of shit. And I said, what's the second one? He goes, you could close up. And he goes, but before you say anything, I want you to understand something. You're making a seven figure decision here. He was threatening me, basically saying, if you don't acquiesce, Mm -hmm. I'm going to bury you. And he basically said, I'll dismantle mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'll tell you what, I am not doing either. And I guess it's going to just play out how it does. And I'll see you in the end zone. And we hung up. I had never talked to him since we went through a two year thing at the very end. Uh, he tapped out, paid me because I had a $10 million lawsuit against him 
for some of the shit that he did. So anyways, that's the struggle, what it took me to find my success from the very beginning with a K through 12 education only, wow. all the way through the ranks and through that situation, building one of the biggest training companies out there, et cetera. So his quote, you're making a seven figure decision is titled my book. I love it. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm, I'm in business, so I love business books. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm looking yeah. forward to And there's tons in there. And I love uh, to read. Uh, just uh, the so, business yeah. principles, but more like just what brings success, you know, like you could have the perfect, we talked about this, you could have the perfect business, but unless you have the stuff that goes behind that, sometimes it just doesn't work. Yeah. You ever notice 10 people could go to college, get the same education, the same degree, and five are successful, but out of that five, maybe one is wildly successful. Mm -hmm. Why? Yeah. What's There's the why. difference? They it, all had the same degree, the same education. What's the common denominator? And mm -hmm. I believe I know what that what that is. And I still don't have it mastered, mm -hmm. but I believe yeah. I have components yeah. of it because Great. like Get your book people, like, you seven know, like, figure decisions. Like Go and get a like copy she'll troll now. Me and say, I, I don't I can't do anything technology wise. I write my notes. I use whiteboards. That's who that's, I, what, no, works, that's what works for that's you. That's who who I am. Well, that's what works I'm for wired you. that way. Right. You got guys that could split the atom with you, mm -hmm. you know? And mm -hmm. I But you know I'm just joking. Of course like I it do. Doesn't, it doesn't Oh no, 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 no. What I'm saying, of course, but that was an example of right. that I don't care if you're K through 12 educated or I you can't even get into your own CRM, which I can't. That's why I had whiteboards. Or or, or you're the most intelligent person on the planet. It doesn't matter. You have to have that common denominator of success, and those are the people that rise to the top. My opinion. I it's believe in the it. book. I believe it. And you get it on Amazon. I'm not pimping it. I don't make any money if I sell that book. It's I use that for my for my students, and when I was in business, mm -hmm. for people to say like, yeah. what, do you, how, "What? How do you think I could be successful?" Here's well, I think this is a start. Here's some of the ingredients. Yes, yeah, right. if you apply the them, sauce. It, it's, the a, sauce. Yeah, it's a sauce. Yeah, it's a cookbook. But you got You got to apply them. That's the yeah. key. The key to life is. Apply them, get in action. Last question before we close. Veronica and I want to know what's your future vision vision in your life, personally? Uh, my future vision in my life is uh, scaling this company, SaveZorb, this uh, products company that I have. It's a green company that cleans up oil and chemicals around the world. And it's to scale that and sell it or partner with someone to let them take it over and run it and me help oversee it. Maybe when I can have the freedom, I want to travel the world for at least a year just me and my wife traveling the world, seeing all these places that I've wanted to see and uh, transforming into the motivational speaker and mm -hmm. life coach that I really want to serve people. I want to help people change That's their lives. That's my, my, it's my calling Go. is to help other people's nice. life uh, level up and show them a different uh, option than they're seeing, shifting them into yeah. the best part of their life. You know, I, I call it, and my Facebook page is Living Your Best Life with Ronnie Ebanks. And that's what I want everybody else to do. How I figured out the ingredients that I use to live my best life. So it, I have a life uh, that everybody should dream of, I think, you because were it's saying, peaceful and, and beautiful. Man, he, you don't finish your sentences. I love it. <laughs> I got long-winded, right? Right, right. We're both Ronnies, so we kind of do that. Yeah. Uh, so you were saying that like, the, it, there's a story that people tell themselves that could be a lie. Like you, you said that you have to have a mindset. Mm -hmm. what do you, what's the mindset? Like in, in a, if you could paraphrase it, that whole idea. That whole idea is if I can see it, if I can vision it, it's possible. That's, and know, what's the story lines. that people tell themselves? They tell that, themselves yeah. that I ain't. It's, it's it's the I ain't good enough. It, it's the uh, what is someone gonna say? That's the two biggest things: is lack of self belief and more focus and energy on what someone else is saying about them than what they think about themselves. 
Do you agree with that? Yeah, and may I may I add to that? Absolutely. That's cool. Um, there's something in that book that I wrote that's called Pattern Interruption, and sometimes it could come from you, the way you're raised, from your parents. Limiting uh, beliefs. All the negative things that they've instilled in you, all the negative patterns, and that's in your core, whether you know it or not. And sometimes if you want to change that, you have to interrupt that pattern. You have to take that thought whether it's yourself. I'll tell you this, it's in the book. When I started this and I was like really fearful of being attacked financially and personally because there's a lot of things personally that I was being attacked for too. And I was told you're never, by, by, by this person and someone else, that you're never gonna pull this off. You needed us for your success. And so that was, that was being poured into me and I used to what drive around saying bullshit. I'm the best in this business. I hadn't even started the business yet. I didn't even have the name of it yet, but I had to convince myself. Yes, mind control. I had to, your mind is your strongest muscle and your biggest asset. And whatever you think today absolutely becomes your tomorrow one way or another. And I was taught that. And if I wasn't taught that and I didn't practice those principles, I'd have never made it. And what you speak, not only what you think, what you speak about you, what you that's, just said, that's right. I'm the best. If you say, I can't right. do this, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. That's who you are. You've yeah. already told yourself. So what we tell ourselves, and then they become beliefs you over either, something that happened right. or we told ourselves. That's my limiting belief. That's what's holding you back. You that's speak, the pattern. You either speak blessings or curses onto other people or yourself. Yeah. And that's your choice. And that's why a lot of times, too, you know, when there's really like a negative vibe, and we've talked about like people on the internet, that's nothing. But like real negative vibes in your life, like mm -hmm. even when I was going through my toughest times, I have someone in my life, my sister, I love her more than anything. She raised me she's older than I am and she has a propensity to be negative not on purpose and she's the sweetest person and most helpful person in the world but you know I started a radio show she's like you shouldn't be on the radio it'll be a liability you don't want to get sued what are you talking about yeah mm -hmm. I'm gonna be on the radio yeah. oh you shouldn't start this you know and so what I had done was I will be around her I love her she's always with me but as soon as that negative stuff hits me they know it now shut down I won't listen to it Back I'm off. like yeah. I get a text yeah. and it's negative from no response but if it's positive, I'll respond. So, so Thank now you. even someone like her in my life, she knows now, she'll catch herself. She'll go, oh, that sounds negative. Okay, so tell me then how do you, and that's what you have to do because you have to protect your mind. Last thing I'll say on it, you take a negative person and a positive person and you put them in a room for two days, they're both coming out negative. Yes. So you got to protect your mind. Strong, right. You got to have five times more uh, power, positive thoughts over one negative that's thought right. to overcome. Yeah. Five or seven. Very that's, powerful. That's big, big time. And if you can accomplish that, not only can you find more peace in your life, but you can find success too, because there is something to do with like I, it, you know, the book, The Secret, I love it, but I don't think that, but hold on time out, but I don't think that a check's going to show up in your mailbox just oh, because you're, the you're positive. Worst. No, listen. There's a lot of principles no, in it that makes a lot of sense. Why, oh Valerie, that's why you have to let me finish. I don't believe in the majority of what's in there because it's too foo-foo, but I believe in the principle of positive mindset. Well, you can mindset. have positive thought without like believing in foo-foo. Uh, that's what I'm saying. So again, if, to finish the thought is I used to tell my students that you want to listen to principles like that, you're going to be a failure. See, you didn't let me finish. But if you know 
because you being positive, a check's not showing up in your fucking mailbox. What's going to show up in your mailbox is to get your fucking ass action. off the chair action. and go take action, action and go do something. But action. while you're doing it, be positive because if you are, you're going to attract things to you and more people that want to work with you. That's the principle. The other stuff is bullshit. Only positive this, thoughts create a that, positive life. That book was talking about manifesting and that doesn't work. You need action. That's what we're, well, that's why we're, that's we're part, uh, but that's a part yeah, of manifestation. That's why if I manifestation the works end. though, not without the ingredients. The sauce yeah. doesn't work without the oregano, without the every without, ingredient. Without me mentioning that book, I couldn't have made the point of how such bullshit it is. That's what I'm trying to say is like to finish that thought. That is like it's like I was telling Ronnie, see it? Got to see it before it even could be anything. Then you got to believe it. The yeah. Pattern interruption. Then you got to map it and have a plan because if you don't have a plan, it's scattered. And, and then you got to execute, yeah, which is take action. Just, I feel like I have to order. pay to be on this podcast for my life coaching that I just yes. received, guys. Yes. Listen. And with that said, Veronica Brill, my ho co-host and the best at what she does, and I do mean that. I, I not yeah? to get sappy with you. Yeah. You you were the perfect pick, even though you're a pain in my fucking ass. But you're the perfect pick. <laughs> you're great at what you do. Somebody Ronnie. Needs for Valerie and I both want to thank you <laughs> for being on the show. You've been an amazing guest. We wish you and your your new lady the, the best of Miss Jasmine, the best. Well, whatever. You never shut lady. up. We wish you the best of luck. Thank you for being on the show. If you love this show, subscribe, like, and share. If you don't, don't. Yeah. How could you not? No, Come on, people. What's not the love here? Comments. That's Complain what about do. me all you want. <laughs> this is the Nick Fertucci Show for Veronica Brill, a.k.a. Valerie, and Ronnie Ebanks, NV out. Thank you. Thank you for having me.